I tell people I don't keep score. And when I say that, if I do something for you, Adam, I'm never going to show up at your door like the Godfather, right? Yeah, did you a favor? You owe me a favor. It's never going to be like that. I don't keep score. I just do things for people and then things just kind of come back my way. It really manifests itself every day. Welcome to Conversations with Connors, a NetworkWise podcast, and I'm your host, Adam Connors. NetworkWise trains and educates individuals and organizations in the science and art of networking to accelerate sales, personal development, and career opportunities. In Conversations with Connors, I talk with a variety of highly successful individuals in order to gain insights on how they built, maintain, and cultivated their relationships in order to live a life by design, not by default. My guest in this episode is Frank Agan. Like myself, Frank has a business built around the art of networking. And let me tell you, this is his calling. When it comes to networking, Frank totally gets it, knows what it's all about, and doesn't only master it, but is even great at teaching it. His business is AM Spirit Connections, and you'll hear him talk about that. But he's the perfect guest for this show because he truly knows what it means to network wise. Let's dive right in. Frank, you are on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How about yourself? Living this new dream. (laughs) That's what I'm doing. (laughs) That is what I'm doing. The new norm. Very interesting times. Very interesting for so many reasons, but let's just talk, I guess, for matters of today. What does it do to the world of relationships? What are your thoughts? What are you seeing as, I guess, let's just focus on the pros. What are you seeing as some of the benefits that have come out of this whole pandemic? Yeah, it's interesting. I have a business that's very face-to-face. And I have to admit, Adam, there was a moment... I live in Ohio and the governor of Ohio was very, he was very forward thinking. There's a big sports expo that happens every year in early March. Arnold Schwarzenegger has, it's called the Arnold Classic, brings in thousands of people, quarter million people, and the governor canceled it. And this was before we even had a case in Ohio. And so to me, that was really unnerving. It's like, oh my gosh. And A week later, pretty much everything was closed down, and there was a moment of panic because it's like, okay, how does this affect a face-to-face business? I got to tell you, I don't want to say it didn't, but my world, my business, Sam Spirit Business Connections, is made of small business people, and they find a way. I mean, within 24 hours, everybody had a way that they were going to continue to do business. There were some who were stymied, massage therapists, so how do I do it, and They had to try and figure out other things. Uh, It wasn't quite as obvious, let's put it that way. But people figured it out. I mean, we've got a, you know, one of our members is a florist, and he just said, you know, all our flowers were going to go bad. I just went out on the street and just started giving them away and giving them away with our card on it, building a little goodwill going forward. But they figured it out. And I think the good thing about it is, is people have lost loved ones, and that's horrible. And so I don't, when I say this, I don't want to diminish that. But This is probably going to be a good thing for us as a society, not just as a country, but as a society. It's been a long time since we've had this kind of gut check, right? Mm -hmm. And I think gut checks in the past have helped us. World War II, World War I, the Great Depression, all those things 
all those gut checks just made us a better society. And it'll do the same here. I'm learning how to use Zoom like I've never hmm. used it before. People are using LinkedIn like they've never used it before. And it's good. I don't know that we're – hopefully things get somewhat back to normal. I don't know, but I think it's changed us in a positive way, and that'll never go back. Yeah, I agree. Frank, so you've got this amazing ability to connect with people. You've built this amazing network. I love your podcast. I really think that you do one of the best jobs, if not the best, of articulating the dynamic of relationships, how they work, how they operate, the way to think about them. And I, I wanted to know if this is something that's kind of innate to you. Is this something that you've learned over time? And how much I guess, time and effort are you putting in to building your networks as well as nurturing them? Is it innate? Yes. I think it's in all of us, but you have to surrender to it. My backstory, I, I was an attorney. I worked for a large firm. You networked by knowing the guy in the cubicle to the right and to the left. And that's how a lot of big companies are. And you didn't have a need to kind of get out and do anything. And when I left there to go start a firm on my own, I started to open my eyes to, okay, I need to do things. Certain things worked and certain things didn't. And just a lot of trial and error. I think about it all the time. How much time do I spend building relationships, nurturing relationships? In a 24-hour day, I would probably say 18 hours. When I'm not sleeping, I'm thinking about it. My mind is just continually, who can I connect Adam to? I meet somebody, my mind goes to, okay, how can I help this person? Or who can they help? It's become somewhat habitual. What has it done for you? What are some of these relationships that you've built along the way, not just for yourself, but even just some of the people that you've connected because you are a super connector? Well, it certainly has done a lot. I tell people I don't keep score. And when I say that, if I do something for you, Adam, I'm never going to show up at your door like the Godfather, right? Yeah, did you a favor? You owe me a favor. It's never going to be like that. I don't keep score. I just do things for people, and then things just kind of come back my way. It really manifests itself every day. I just recorded a podcast on this. It'll come out later this summer because I talked about my son. My son is 20 years old, does great in school, and he – He's a sophomore in college. He's not going to get an internship, mainly because sophomores don't. And mainly with this COVID-19, the ones that were there dried up or have totally changed. I'm not going to get a, an internship. So we have a power washer. He's like, I'm going to just get some flyers made. He went and got some flyers made. He started promoting this power washing business. One of the things he did was he reached out to a painter that I know and just said, hey, you don't know me, but you know my dad. Right? The whole concept of borrowed mm -hmm. trust. And immediately the guy's like, yeah, my painters don't like to power wash. They want to paint. They don't want to get wet. They don't want to get dirty. It's messy. I would love to have you come and power wash our houses before we paint them. I've known this guy for a long time, and I didn't intend for it to manifest itself this way, but it did. So when you ask, hey, what comes from these things? Really everything. I mean, we're on this call because of things I've done. People don't give credit to what their network does. And if they did, they probably would double down on a lot of the things you and I talk about and do. 100%. Do you think they're just sleepwalking or they just wait until they need something before they you know, kind of have that reflective moment? 
it's a leap of faith. What we talk about in networking is we talk about do things first and just trust that they'll come back to you. You and I have been doing it long enough that things are continually coming back to us now. So we might do something today and it might not come back to us for five years, but things are coming back to us of things that we've done. But I think for a lot of people, you got to pay your dues and people don't necessarily want to pay their dues. They want it now. I want a job. Mm -hmm. I want to be paid two weeks from now. So it's not that they're sleepwalking. I guess the first thing is they haven't connected the dots. They don't believe that helping other people is going to benefit them. They want to know exactly how it's going to work and they want an exact guarantee and it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work when you want it to, how you want it to, or where you want it to, but it works. And so they haven't surrendered to that. And, and when, even when they do, it's like, oh my gosh, I might have to wait till the end of summer or end of whenever to, for this to maybe pay itself back. It might be 20 years with some of the stories you talk about. Yeah, it might, yep. but you'll need it then too. So put the effort in. It's funny, you mentioned about keeping score. And I had a guy that was on my show a couple of years ago. His name's uh, Brandon Steiner. And Brandon Steiner, just an amazing guy. He, he owns Steiner Sports, big memorabilia wildly successful and just really benevolent guy. He's actually very close friends with Harvey McKay, who I'm sure you know. Sure. And uh, I had asked him, how do you define networking? And I love this. He says, Adam, he goes, it's really simple. You do as much as you can for as many people as you can, as often as you can, without expecting anything in return. Whew. To me, just summed it up. Like that was just perfect. You should kind of be the definition when you go in in uh, Wikipedia. That, to me, summed up networking. Yeah, totally. And I think what people do is they look at networking as what's in it for them. What can I get from this moment? I mean, you've been at the events. You're talking to somebody, and immediately when they determine there is nothing in it for them, they kind of move on from you. And I tell people that it's so short-sighted because they don't know who I know. And I can think of countless examples of people that, you know, I, I connect people and it's not really for me, but that's their shortcoming. Yeah. I'm going to give you one of your own examples. And again, coming from your podcast, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, the Networking Rx podcast, I believe it was on your show where you talked about someone who, I forgot, they were bald. Turned out they were a photographer at a wedding. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because they were bald or they were a barber. And they were perceived as not adding value when it turned out that their clientele was exactly yeah. who their, you know what I'm talking about? I know yeah, I'm not I do. Yeah. it well. But yeah. it was, no, that, I do. That, that to me was just a perfect example where this person was immediately dismissed when at the same time it was like the golden contact for the yeah. other person that was talking to. And that happens all the time. People look at the person and what I say, don't network to somebody, network through them. Who do they know? How can you help them? Who do they know? Uh, and it's a powerful thing. And it's just one of those things where it just takes some discipline to just stop and ask the question, how can I help this person? Who do I know can help them? And I think a simple exercise is just sitting down on the weekend when you have a quieter moment and kind of looking through and say, okay, who did I talk to this week? And we all have kind of a record of who we spoke to. You're on my calendar. It's easy for me to look back and say, okay, we spoke on Tuesday. Okay, who can I connect them to? Who can they help? Just kind of going through that exercise. And I think in time, you get better at it. You get better at finding those things. As you start connecting people and realizing that they are connectable, that they're open to it, 
then it just kind of opens up the door for other opportunities. I mean, if on day one, you've got one person to connect them to, or you got two people to connect. When you add that third person, all of a sudden, it's not one more connection. It's really three connections that you can make. And you add another person, you add a fourth person to the equation. It's not an additional, it's actually six total connections. You see, it starts to grow exponentially. If you have 20 people in the room, including yourself, you're part of that 20, there's 191 different possible combinations of connections. That's staggering. Just right there. And, you know, all of a sudden, some one other person comes along, you know, it's not one more opportunity for you. It's actually 20 other opportunities because you can introduce them to all the people in the room. So it's just, it's amazing what we can do with introductions. Yeah, it's you just know? a matter of taking the time to speak with them, understand them, and then, you know, go that extra step to do the facilitation. Yeah, it's good, though. <laughs> it does. So you touched on something that I do. I do like this little reflection journal. And I think about, okay, what did I do today? Who did I talk to? And who can benefit from what I did and who I talked to? <clears throat> so I look at some of the things that I thought, hey, you know, was there a good article someone shared with me that I read? Oh, cool. Who can benefit from that? Yeah. Who in my networks can do that? Oh, who did I talk to? Okay, what, what do we talk about? What's going on in their life? Is there something they need help with? Okay, then kind of pull into my networks. Who can help them? Or if there's something that they're offering. Again, just taking that little bit of time, a few minutes to reflect and then take some action. And it's yep. amazing what that can do for you. I've been the recipient of a couple nice introductions from you. I can only imagine how many other people could you know, lay claim to the same exact stake. You know? Well, at one point I was going to sit down and figure out how often I connected people. And I just like, you know what? I don't have time to figure it out. Right. And when I say scorekeeping, not, I'm not holding people accountable just to know what I do. And it's like, I'm just too busy doing it. I'm not going to worry about it. I do keep track just so I don't introduce people twice, but um, it just becomes a habit. My daughter, when she was a junior in high school, she was at a track meet. And, you know, I'm in Ohio, it's April, it's cold. I just want to go home. And she's out there talking to her coach and a bunch of other teammates. So I finally got her in the car. I'm like, man, what were you guys doing? Your event was done two hours ago. We could have left. Oh, we were just having a conversation about life philosophies. I'm like, oh, okay. What was your life philosophy? And she said, well, it's not an original. It's not mine original, but I read it and I just thought it was a good philosophy. And her comment was, your first thought makes you human. Your second thought serves to define you. Okay, I got to think about this. You know, what, do you, <laughs> what does that mean? And so we started talking about it. And what she explained was, well, your first thought is, shows you're human. So you're driving in traffic and somebody flips you off. Getting angry at them, that just says you're human. But your second thought, you know, when you kind of get a grip on yourself and your neocortex kicks in, your second thought serves to define you. And so if you want to continue to be angry, then you're just an angry person and, you know, someone flipping you off turns you into road rage. But you can also take that moment to say, geez, I wonder why that person did that. Are they having a bad day? You can define yourself as being empathetic. So I tell that story because it really relates to networking. And I tell people it applies when you're out meeting people. And your first thought when you meet somebody is what's in it for me? Adam, that's my first thought when I meet somebody new. When somebody contacts me on LinkedIn, my first thought, because I'm human, okay, what's in this for me? Is it a possible, you know, guest for my franchise, for my uh, podcast? Is it a possible franchisee, a member for the organization? What's in it for me? But what I've tried to do, I'm not perfect at it, but what I try to do is push beyond that first thought and 
go to the second thought. And the second thought is what's in it for this person? Who can they help that I know or who do I know that can help this person? And if you can become disciplined to push through to that second thought, that's where you become successful. And if you stop and think about the math, I tell people all the time, 99% of the people I encounter are not going to be a client for me. They're not going to be a franchisee. And so if I stop at that first thought and say, okay, they're not going to be a client for me. I'm done with them. The relationship is done. But if I push through the second thought and the second thought being, okay, how can I benefit this person or can this person benefit somebody I know? 99% of the time, there's something there. And so I can create a relationship with that person, even though there's nothing in it for me. And that tends to pay itself back. I mean, I have so many people out there that just refer me because, or connect me with somebody because I've done something for them. It pays itself back. And I call that the karmatic boomerang. Yeah. Uh, I want to uh, give you kudos for just being so candid about that because most people will never admit that. So that's a, not an easy thing to do. So I really, I'm impressed with that. And I, I think everyone else would probably be lying if they felt that wasn't their immediate impression. Yeah. And it is hard to push through, especially because you know that you are going to do something to benefit them and odds are they're not going to do something for you. Yeah. So it's really just like a, a philosophy that you're following and you've got to just trust the process and play the long game. It's good to see that it's been reinforced in your life so and that obviously helps to continuing to, to practice this. So again, kudos all around. I'd love to talk about your podcast, give an yeah. overview, tell us a little bit about it. I'd love to understand the genesis behind it, uh, some of the people that you've had, the goals that you have with it, and then maybe we'll get into some of the topics. How it came about is I had somebody approach me in the summer of 2018 about doing a sales funnel to try and grow the franchise base in the organization. And then we started talking about doing a sales funnel and started recording stuff. And one of the recordings didn't work. And I'm glad it didn't because he called and said, Hey, listen, we need to re-record that. Can you do that over the weekend? It was a 20 minute thing. and It wasn't a big deal, but I just kind of drug my heels on it. And Monday morning I called him up. I said, I didn't do the recording. And he said, why didn't she? He says, because it just doesn't feel right. I've got nothing against sales funnels, but I just don't feel that's not how I want to approach this. He's, well, what do you want to do? I said, I just really want to share great information about networking, business relationships, professional relationships. I just want to help people and just trust that it'll come back to me. And he said, well, what you're talking about is a podcast. I'm like, well, maybe I am. You know, I didn't really know what <laughs> podcasting was, hadn't listened to a lot of them. So I really kind of dug into it. My daughter was interning me with me that summer and I just said, here, listen, take a couple of weeks and really kind of dig into this. What do we need to do? And we just had a whole checklist and started in on it early August of 2018, kicked it off in September. And originally it just started with me just kind of sharing concepts, things that I had talked about, things I'd written about in, in my books. And there was this great fear that I was going to run out of information and I had somebody approach me then about being interviewed. I'm like, oh, my God, that's a whole nother animal. There's a complication there, right? And I agreed to do it. Okay, I've got to move out of my comfort zone again and started interviewing people, which added another episode every week. So I do two every every week, one where I'm just talking and one where I'm interviewing somebody you've been on a couple times. And I've had shows where I've just talked about you and the the content you're putting out. 
So I don't think I'll ever run out of material because I've got great people like you out there and, and others that are always putting things out that I can talk about and just, you know, hey, this is what Adam Connor says. And this is, here's how you apply it. And here's my story to show that what they're saying is dead on. And so it's just kind of continued down that path. As far as goals, yeah, I certainly want more people to be exposed to it. I'm not looking to monetize it per se. Again, it's the original intent. I just want to share good content out there and trust that it'll come back to me. And in a way it has, I've had people who've listened and who've become interested because of that. And that's kind of drawn them in. I think if I had a podcast just touting myself, it probably wouldn't do as well. So that's really kind of how it all came about. Gotcha. Well, you're here now, so I want you to tout. Tell us about Ampspirit. Well, what Ampspirit is, it's an organization that creates, well, I call it a for-profit membership-based organization. People join. They join a group that they attend every week, learn about each other, exchange referrals. Many people out there are familiar with BNI. It's, we're a competitor of BNI. And the next question is, well, it makes us different than BNI. I don't know. I've never been to BNI. I have nothing good or bad to say about BNI. It's obviously got to be a great organization. It's doing well, but we're very similar. The things we're really passionate about at Amspirit with these weekly meetings is making sure that people, one, are passing good referrals. We have a rule. The referral, when you pass it, the person who's being referred needs to be expecting the call. Mm. So if I go to you, Adam, and say, hey, Adam, I've got somebody and they really want to this is a perfect situation for you to come in and consult with the whole company and help them with respect to their networking and building relationships. When you call that person, they're going to be expecting the call. Doesn't guarantee you're going to be, get the business. They might say, yeah, we're going to go a different direction or it's too expensive or whatever, but I'm going to put you in the right place at the right time. So that's the first thing. The second thing we're really passionate about in the organization is educating people on how the networking process, how the referral process works. I tell people that there's three reasons and only three reasons why you might not get a referral. We coach around those three reasons. One, you don't have enough of a relationship. Two, people don't understand what it is you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And three, they might understand, but they don't know how to talk about it. So we do a lot of training around those three things, building relationships, building recognition, empowering people to be able to talk about business. And then the third thing that we're really passionate about at Amspirit is creating a community. You know, when you join a group and there's 20 people in the group, that's great. But I want people to be in this organization realizing that they can connect with members in this organization coast to coast and people are going to be open to connecting with them. I have people who vacation down in Phoenix, Arizona, because there's chapters down there and they go golfing with the people down there and they're buddies and they probably wouldn't do business, but for that or, or know each other, but for that. So those are really the things that we're you know, we're passionate about. We're expanding. We're expanding through franchising. And I have franchisees in, in lots of states and it continues to grow. Next stop is uh, I've got a couple who are getting ready to sign on in Illinois, uh, talking to people in Florida, talking to people in LA. That's nice. And then are there certain tenants to this, to being part of AM Spirits? What do you mean as far as tenants? Yeah, like, well, you talked about uh, it's important they, like you're educating them on how to be very precise, I guess, and what it is that they're asking for. Kind of easy to understand, impossible to be understood. Maybe that's a, a tenant. You know, if you're going to be a member, you really need to be able to have a nice elevator pitch. 
Yeah, we don't have any requirements, you know, that you have to meet a certain standard. Here's the reality is that there are certain things that need to be done for you to be successful. And that's true in any profession, in any arena, podcasting, certain things that need to be done, right? Um, it's got to get up on some sort of host so it can be put out to the world and it's got to be searchable and all sorts of stuff. And it's the same thing with respect to our organization. There are certain things that need to be done. And the people in the organization, they want more success. And so they're going to, you don't need to have a minimum standard because they're all trying to get better and better all the time. So we don't need to really worry about that too much. And the people who don't try and get better and better, they move on, you know. Any types of unique businesses that are part of AM Spirits that might not traditionally fall into some of the other, I guess, BNIs of the world? I don't know a whole lot about BNI and who's in BNI. We certainly have unique professions that are that are involved. I had this conversation the other day when I was in high school. I was late seventies. What do you want to be when you grow up? Police officer, firefighter, accountant. You know, here's one of seven buckets. Which one do you want to put your feet in? And now it's just, it's a podcast host. I mean, <laughs> there are people out there, not you or I necessarily, who make a living doing this and people can aspire to it. There are YouTube personalities. There's all sorts of different people that are involved that really help people with respect to their LinkedIn profiles, helping them get the wording correctly. Uh, and that obviously didn't exist before LinkedIn in you know, 2006, 2007. On the back of our membership application, we have a list of categories. It's a partial list because I've just grown tired of trying to keep up with it. Let me ask you this. What do you do to remember someone's name, Frank? Do you have any tricks? I really don't. But you know what? I have to admit, I'm one of those people that's kind of blessed with a really good memory, knock wood, that it continues. I remember things about people. I remember their names. I don't have a photographic memory, but I remember things birthdays, things like that. I just have a good mind with respect to that. So I've never really had to buy into any sort of tricks or tips or anything like that. I do forget names. I do have issues from time to time. Mm -hmm. What I try to do when I meet somebody is I try to say their name a couple times in that initial conversation just to kind of ingrain it in my mind. Because I think a lot of times when we meet people, it's all very unconscious. You know, Adam, I want you to meet Matt, Matt, Adam, and you guys are talking and it's like, you're, you're kind of on your heels, right? What do I need to say? What are they saying? And then you'll forget their name. And if what you do is you employ, really engage your cortex and say, okay, oh, Matt, yeah, it is great to meet you. You don't want to be artificial about it, but you work that into the conversation and it just makes it easier to kind of hang on to their name, especially if somebody's handing you a business card, keeping that business card out and looking at it. And I'm not one to make notes on business cards just because I think that's kind of distracting. It's my own personal view. A lot of people really think that that's the way to go and, and that's fine. But I might look at somebody's business card and, you know, Oh, Matthew, do you go by Matt or Matthew? It doesn't matter. Or I prefer Matt. Um, a company just maybe put Matthew on there. Those are little tricks that kind of help you move it along the remembering of names. Let me ask you this. You brought up about writing on the business card. So what do you do? You meet somebody, Matthew, for example, you meet Matthew right. at a function, he hands you a business card and you feel that he's someone that you want to remember. He made some kind of an impression on you that you felt he was worth your time to build a relationship. What right. do you do? Walk me through your thought process and like the steps that you're going to take 
to kind of solidify that relationship and nurture it? Well, I think the first tip that people need to understand, first thing they need to understand is when you're at an event, it's not about meeting dozens of people. I don't ever try and come away with 15 new contacts. If I'm at an event and it's two or three hours long, two or three, maybe four new contacts is plenty because you're going to be meeting people. You're going to be running to people you already know. You said it earlier. You got to nurture relationships. So you don't want to say to somebody, I already know you. I'm not going to talk to you. Of course, you're going to talk to them. So you're going to occupy time with people like them and you're going to meet new people. So I think the first trick is kind of limiting the numbers Mm -hmm. of people you're going to meet. And so if you limit it to two or three, it's really not that hard to be able to walk away with a handful of cards. When I say handful, two or three cards and kind of know A from B and B from C. When I leave an event, what I generally try and do is I do have note cards. I'll send if they have an address. A lot of people don't have addresses anymore. Mm -hmm. If they have a physical address, I'll write a handwritten note and send them a note. And I'll reference something that was in the conversation. And all those things are kind of ingraining in my mind. And then at some point, I'll get back with their card and I'll enter them into my contact list. I use Outlook and I'll put a note in there with respect to whatever it is that I remember. Likes to fish or big Alabama fan or something like that. I don't need to remember everything, but just some of the things that are important. Certainly looking them up on LinkedIn. I don't necessarily connect with them right away on LinkedIn, but looking up and just seeing whatever else is there that I didn't see before those things are important too. Cause it might be something where I'm trying to think of something happened the other day. Oh, I was introduced to somebody and I got online, looked at their LinkedIn and they have a connection to the university of Wisconsin stout, which is a state school university in the state of Wisconsin, way up North. I knew of it because I grew up North of there in the upper peninsula of Michigan. So that was kind of a point of connection that didn't come out in the conversation, but looking at their LinkedIn, it's like, oh, okay, there's a whole nother thing we can talk about at some point in time. I sent them an email just playfully saying, University of Wisconsin Stout, oh my gosh, I don't know anybody. How would I have met you? You know, Anyhow, that's kind of the, the process. Mm-hmm. And will you set a reminder or anything? Or will you wait to see if they're going to get back to you and engage? And at that point, are you just like, all right, you know what? I'm not going to put too much energy into them if they're not even going to reciprocate a simple response. Yeah, you kind of play it by ear. I do. At any point in time, I might have 25 reminders on my computer saying you need to follow up with these people. And I systematically go through that. And I'll touch base with people to see how they're doing. And I don't mean it purposefully, but I'm sort of testing them because if I send somebody, hey, Adam, here's an article, I'll send an article. And if they never get back to me, I just realize that they've probably just tuned me out for whatever reason. And I just need to say, okay, you know what? They're just not interested in a relationship. Yeah. But let me ask you this. Let me walk you through a scenario and I'd love to get your advice. Like how would you have handled this? That's what we're playing right now. All right. So I'm at an event let's call it a networking event. It's just a a vendor had put something together, a bunch of people around. I made a nice connection with this gal. I actually introduced her, gave her some advice and stuff. She's like, it was, that was very helpful for her. She's very Mm -hmm. eager. I said, that's great. I knew the company that she was working in. It was in the cryptocurrency space, which is a very hot space at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a good friend. They were looking for a, a global head of compliance. It turned out my friend actually is the global head of compliance. And He's a stud. Mm -hmm. I love him. I'd love, love, love to meet with him. 
So I send her a LinkedIn connection request. Hey, I don't want to say her name. You know, it's great meeting you. I'm glad that those other people that are the other, I forget the other services I'd introduced you to were a benefit to you. Looking forward to connecting and happy to make this introduction to blah, blah, blah. So that was about a year and a half ago. She didn't accept the LinkedIn invitation. She didn't respond. Okay. Fast forward to this year and a half, about a couple of weeks ago, I get the acceptance on the LinkedIn. Hey, I remember how uh, great you were. I had no interest in the guy at the time. I'm looking for a job. <laughs> right. How do you respond to that? I'm just giving you one example of so many of situations that are very similar to that. What do you think about that? I mean, it's obvious that this person, she doesn't get the notion of relationship. And I have people like this. They come out of the woodwork when they need something, right? And you help them and they're, oh my gosh, lost track of our relationship. I won't let it happen again. And you help them and, and then they're gone again. If that were the woman, I probably would just be gracious and say, sorry, we lost contact. I'll do the best that I can to connect you. Things have changed in this person's world. I need to see if they would be interested. Yeah, right. no, no, no. She was looking now for a job. Actually. No, I get it. Oh, yeah, gotcha. I get okay. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would yeah. say, you know, listen, I will certainly do my best, but things have changed in a year. I don't have the same contacts. Well, things change with your contacts, right? Yeah. Your guy might not be where he's at. And even if he is, his situation's changed. So I, I would be gracious and say, you know, certainly let me help you, but I would certainly be very cautious of the kind of time that I put into it. You want to know the irony of that conversation? What's that? So is that guy ended up getting a phenomenal job because he is a stud and his company's hiring for her role. Yeah. So by, I, I can't put my name behind her. I just can't do it in good faith. That's a perfect example of karma good, karma bad too. I have a podcast episode coming out. It's just one where I'm talking and I tell people, help people, do things for other people. You're going to get one of four responses. The first response is no response. You help somebody, they don't even acknowledge that you did anything. And that happens far too often. Or you'll help somebody and just not even a thank you, nothing, no acknowledgement at all. And it, not that I'm ever looking for anything, but I just know that, okay, I've made this connection. I haven't heard from anybody. But that's the first type. Second type, the person will respond and say thank you. Great. It's always nice to be appreciated. And you note that. Third type of person will thank you and then come to you with six other things you can do for them, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks for sharing my post. Here are <laughs> yeah. links to six others that you could just go crazy and promote. And I say beware of that person. That is a trap, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a black hole of you doing things. And I'm always nice. I always try to be nice. It's like, yeah, you know, maybe one or two of these in time. But I don't ever want to be like, oh, I'm all about Adam Connor. All I do is promote Adam Connor, you know, because it's <laughs> I'm not your PR firm. I want to have some diversity there. And lots of other people have interesting things to say. So that's the third type of person. The fourth type of person is the person that you do something for and they thank you. And they are either trying to pay it back or pay it forward. They're taking what you've got. Hey, this is great. Do you mind if I share it with some other people and help some other people? Or, wow, Frank, this is great. Let me try and figure out how I can help you, how I can add value to you. Those are the people you double down on. Those are the people we need to build our lives with. And I think this woman that you're talking about, back to that, you know what? Yeah, you kind of help her a little bit. You're not going to get behind her like you would have a year ago, right? A year ago, you would have been like, yeah, talking to your friend. You know, I met this person. She seems to be pretty sharp. She got back to me. 
yeah, somebody you ought to talk to. She's lost out. She's lost your enthusiasm. I don't think you ever need to be mean to somebody, but she's lost out. And I think that's what ends up happening with like the people in my life who, you know, Hey, I need a job. It's like, you know, the first time it happens, you're gung ho helping them. Second time. It's like, you know, why don't you do some of the things I told you to do before? You need to go do this. You need to go do that. Get some connections for me. Yeah. The ones I had before. Well, I burnt them out. Well, I don't have an endless supply of connections. What do you think we can do to help people to kind of see the light? For me, the hardest part is getting them to really understand what networking is. A lot of times people feel, oh, it's dirty, it's this and that. And I'm like, well, that's the lens that you're seeing it through. And if yeah. it is dirty, if you're just looking for something. So I try to educate people on what it is. It's about taking a proactive approach to relationship development. It's about helping people. It's yeah. about giving. It's about surrounding yourself with uh, other great people. It's about connecting great people. That's what it's about. And once people really understand it, and like a light goes on. But I personally just have a hard time getting people to really understand it. Well, it's not our job to save the world. And maybe that sounds selfish, but... You know, my wife and I always had this conversation, and if you have to spend 30 minutes to get your kid to spend 15 minutes cleaning up the room, it's totally inefficient, and you just have to decide, okay, either you're just going to do it yourself or you just pass on it altogether, and it's kind of the same thing with networking. If the only time you're going to do something is when I'm kind of browbeating you to do it, it's not worth it. You want to be successful or not? If you want to be successful, here is the path. I'm telling you, this is what you need to do. It works for me. I see it working for other people. This is what you need to do. If you're not going to do it, then I don't know. In a way, Adam, isn't that good? I once had a boss when I was a tax consultant. He came back. He was complaining about how stupid our clients were. Oh, my God, they're so stupid. They did X, Y, and Z you know, regarding the tax code. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? Thank God our clients are stupid. He's like, what do you mean? If our clients knew as much as we did, we wouldn't have jobs. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing. The fact that there are people out there that don't get it, just make it easier for the rest of us. Yeah, this makes it easier. Yeah, no, that's true. You know? Oh, yes, indeed, my friend. Yes, indeed. So let me ask you, one of the favorite parts of the show is I just shoot out some random questions at you. Sure. What do you think? All Go right. for it. All right. <laughs> Give me a number between 1 and 16. Uh, 1 and 16, 3. Yeah, 3. Why 3? My kids played soccer and they all wore the number three oh, that's um, a good reason. when they were younger. Yeah. What fires you up? What fires me up? Fires me up in a good way? However you want to answer. Could be good, yeah. could be bad. Well, fires me up, you know, back to our conversation. I love to introduce people and see it change their world, see it help them. That excites me. I love going to the movies too, but that's kind of, that's a non-issue <laughs> non right now. No, all right. All right. How about um, give me a number between 17 and 59? 43. I wore 43 in college. You so. did? In what sport? I played uh, small college football. Gotcha. So. What position? I was a defensive lineman. I was probably the smallest defensive lineman. And then I should have never gone and played. I, look, I, look, I, I played. I started. I did well. But I look back at pictures. Adam and I'm like, oh my God, it's like a bullet go whizzing by your head. I can't believe I didn't get killed. These guys were huge. How big were you? Uh, 5'10", 180 pounds. That's a solid. That's that's pretty solid, no? Yeah, not for defensive linemen. No, <laughs> no, it is on the smaller <laughs> side, but kudos yeah. to you. All right, number 43. I love this question, actually. 
I'm glad you asked for 43. When was the last time that you changed your mind on an opinion or some kind of strong belief? I'd love to know kind of like how that happened. You know, I just had a guy, I'm not dodging your question. I guess like sure. sort of am, but <laughs> I just interviewed a guy who is a, a cognitive neuroscientist talks about our biases. And he says, if you haven't changed your mind on something important in the last year, you probably have a bias. I guess to answer your question, I have changed my mind on the COVID-19 thing. That's a good one. Ooh, okay. Because everyone's critical of, well, Donald Trump or whoever, you know, critical mm -hmm. of name their governor. And initially I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're going overboard on this thing. And I've changed my mind on that. It's like, you know what? Somebody knows something more than I do and I need to stop and get more information. So that would be it. Okay. That's a good one. And very apropos, I might add. <laughs> okay. Last question before I let you go for the day. Number between one and 14. Okay. Um, 10. 10. Okay. If you could meet your exact twin, mm -hmm. what would you like about him or her? Reliability. Reliability. Um, Just say you're going to do something, you get it done. That's good. That boy, it's so interesting that you choose that one because actually the last person I had in my show that's not going to air for a while, it was all about trust and how important trust was and reliability is obviously keenly tied to trust. Why? Why is that so important to you that you're reliable? I just know how it feels to be let down. It's just something, a trade I need to walk. When thinking about it, I remember years ago I was talking to somebody, my father my father was a college professor. He's still alive, but he's retired, but he was a college professor. And I remember talking to one of his colleagues. I was working. I had moved away from where I lived and one of his colleagues happened to be in near where I was. And so I went and had dinner with him and he just told me, he says, you know, let me tell you about your dad. He said, when he tells me that he's going to do something, it's done. I don't have to check on that. And to me, that was like the ultimate compliment, right? I mean, you can be being smart, there's lots of smart people, you know, there's lots of people who are hardworking, but reliability, it's like this, zero times any number is zero, right? Mm -hmm. Zero times 400 kajillion is zero. We know that from school. And that's how I look at reliability. It doesn't matter who you are and what you do, but if you're not reliable, you're nothing, right? If you can't follow through, I don't care how smart you are, but if you can't follow through on what you say you're going to do, I can't trust you. And you can't be reliable half the time. You're the reliable 100% of the time or you're unreliable. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm probably not the most connected guy in the room. I'll admit that. I'm probably not the hardest working person in the room. There's a whole lot of things I'm not, but I will do what I say I'm going to do. I have a whole section when I do training where I talk about the importance of reliability. And I got this slide that's just about not promising on something that you can't deliver. Or I talk about... Don't invite someone to coffee, even if you don't plan on following through on that invitation. Don't say you're going to make the introduction to someone that you aren't going to follow through. We're in the professional world. We're making connections and building relationships with people can help you to truly stand out and look like a star. But when you say you're going to do something and you don't, whoo. <laughs> yeah. I tell people, don't be a people pleaser unless your intentions are true. I mean, this is yeah. going to backfire on you. I, I love that Thomas Paine quote. Character is much easier kept than recovered. And I think that sums it up. That was a great answer on your behalf. Frank, I got to thank you for coming on the show. 
I've been looking forward to this. I'm probably going to invite you back multiple times. Maybe we just talk about one particular subject and go deep. That would um, be great. Yeah. Or at some point, I just make it out to Hoboken and come in studio. <sighs> yes, that's what I was really talking about. I'm not loving Zoom. I, I listen. I know. It's good for numbers just to reach it, but it's just not like this is good, but it's just not the same. If we had sat down over a meal, hung out for a little bit, not taking anything away from this, but I just know it would have been different. I, I know. I totally know. I, I totally get it. And uh, it'll happen. I appreciate you. Appreciate all you do. And, you know, you provide uh, great insight out there. You make a lot of connections. I have some great people in my network as a result of you. And uh, it's, it's only beginning. It's only beginning. That's the truth. Good people know good people, my friend. Yep. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Connors, a NetworkWise podcast. If you or someone you know is looking for a career change, building a business, seeking to expand sales, or is just generally interested in improving your overall health and happiness, then head on over to NetworkWise.com to gain access to a plethora of resources to help you build your networking skills and community. Those who are ambitious will network, The ones who succeed will network wise.